Tim and Friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Let me adjust everything here. <laughs> some breaking news, some fights. Some clashes. This is one of those days where you do this. A lot, yeah, a lot of stuff going on right now. This is Tim and Friends for Tuesday, November 9th, and we are coming to you live from the Sportsnet Studios in downtown Toronto. A Tuesday edition, chock full of goodness from first things first to last call. A full two hours of whole grain goodness on both Sportsnet and Sportsnet 360 ahead of Hockey Central. Six Canadian teams on the ice tonight, including. The Oilers and Red Wings. Oh dear God, what in the good name of Peter Klima and his candy cane stick does Connor McDavid have in store for us tonight? I remember saying last week, Jesse Rubinoff, who's sitting in the studio with me, it was must-see TV that if, if he was in the NBA or the NFL, people would be screaming from the mountaintops every time he was on national television. Then Friday, boom, went the dynamite. One-on-four magic that had us talking about the best goals in NHL history. And we're going to continue that conversation. We got a few entries over the week. We'll do it a little later on today. Flames and Sharks also available across the nation on Sportsnet 1, 9 p.m. Eastern, 7 local in Calgary. Ducks and Canucks not only rhymes, but they'll play tonight. And don't look now, but the Ducks flying high. Nice little homestand scoring a lot of goals. So that's the NHL schedule for tonight. And if we get anywhere near the night that we had in the NBA last night, we're in a good spot, and I'm not just talking about the Morrises and the and the Jokic's going toe to toe, or kind of, sort of going toe to toe, because I'm, to be honest, scared by that. Same. <laughs> yeah, you, you too. Oh, how could okay. you not be? Okay. So, uh, if you don't get what the good name of Kiki Vanderway I'm talking about, we will explain a little later on. We mentioned the breaking news, and just before we came to air. Uh, Jesse whispered to me that uh, we had a statement from Kerry Price that was posted to his Instagram. Um, and both of us kind of sat here and we read the Instagram post and felt like we had to put it in early in the show somewhere. So this was literally uh, brought to our attention minutes before we went to air and we figured we'd pass it along to you by reading it simply. Just reading the statement word for word, and I can do it. I've got it up here, Jesse, okay. if, if you're worried about it. Uh, this is from Carrie Price's Instagram account, and it says, over the last few years, I have let myself get to a very dark place, and I didn't have the tools to cope with that struggle. Last month, I made the decision to enter a residential treatment facility for substance abuse. Things had reached a point that I realized I needed to prioritize my health for both myself and my family. Asking for help when you need it uh, is what we encourage our kids to do and it was what I needed to do. I am working through years of neglecting my own mental health which will take some time to repair and all I can do is take it day by day. With that comes some uncertainty with when I will return to play. I appreciate all the overwhelming support and well wishes. I please ask that the media and our hockey community continue to respect our privacy at this time. Your support and respect of this so far has been a critical piece to my recovery. That from Carrie Price's Instagram. And, and I said to you mm. after reading it, just honestly, that I, I felt bad, legitimately bad, that he felt the need to put out a statement like that. But I also felt compelled to read it 
so that people weren't asking the questions that naturally come when a superstar goaltender is out of the lineup for whatever reason. When's he coming back? My team's struggling, all those things. And I think when you read this, mm -hmm. there's a real reality to the situation that puts all that on the back burner, thankfully. And I think whoever crafted this for him or him did a really good job in doing exactly that. No question about it. I mean, incredibly brave, very honest, yeah. obviously. And the part at the end where he says, you know, the support and respect of this so far has been a critical piece in my recovery. I think people should, who are sitting at home reading that and have been supportive, just, you know, give yourself a pat on the back. You know, the society oftentimes we, we criticize too much. And I think a lot of the narrative around right. Carey Price has been very supportive. Uh, everybody wants him to get well, wants to see him back playing hockey, yeah. wants to see him healthy first and foremost. So uh, I think that's that's probably plays into it as to why he felt the need to put the statement out. Just sort of say, hey, I really appreciate all the support that you guys have been giving me over this time. And it doesn't always happen. We saw that with Calvin Ridley in the yeah. NFL. Like it's it's not always that way. So let's keep it that way because I think that we've had enough evidence of Carey Price's character mm -hmm. that we can honestly cheer for him. Like from totally. stopping in Winnipeg on the way to the arena and talking with indigenous people at a very hard time for him, his family, and beyond uh, to, I don't know if you remember the young man in Toronto oh, yep. uh, after practice who had just lost his mom and Kerry Price sees him there. They share a little conversation and then an embrace. Like, uh, I don't know many people who have seen what Kerry Price has done over the years uh, with his platform and with his ability to reach many and say, I'm not cheering for this guy. So. Uh, hopefully he gets right. Hopefully this answers mm -hmm. enough of the questions for people who do want to see the best for him but also want him back because he's very valuable to his team. I get it all. Yeah. I think he did a wonderful job explaining himself and where he's at right you, now. You want good things to happen to good people. And Carey Price would suggest his behavior would suggest that he's a good person. So. Agreed. All right, so lots on tap, plus uh, obviously a terribly officiated Monday nighter that sparked a match game, so we'll lighten the mood with a little match game. So I'll shut up, introduce Jesse Rubinoff. We'll do first things first. What do you say, Michelle Goulet? Nice. First thing every first. day. First. How do they get better and better every day? I don't know if, uh, I, don't know if I can keep it up. Uh, I've got a little help. Jason Sands, producer right. of the show, has uh, has taken on the challenge of coming up with a new one every day. But I, I did enjoy the what do you say, Michelle Goulet. Yeah, that one might stick in my brain. You know which <laughs> one sticks in my brain the most is what's the word, Larry Bird? Well, that's the one I stole. That's yeah. the only one that I stole, yeah. and it's from Ted Lasso. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's all right. We got so I'm uh, glad that you gave Jason Sudeikis yeah. the love there. <laughs> Uh, you want to get to uh, what was a ridiculous night in the National Football League last night? Yeah, it's crazy that that's where we're going to start, but I think it's the right place to start. We have to. Yes. Every, everybody's talking about it, so I'm going to go through the details, provide right. some context, and then we can talk about it. The Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Bears 29-27 last night in what turned out to be a pretty good game, but the only thing anyone's talking about is the officiating. There were a series of bad calls and non-calls throughout the game, and almost all of them went against the Chicago Bears, the most egregious was a taunting call on linebacker Cassius Marsh after a crucial third down sack late in the fourth quarter. And making matters worse, referee Tony Corrente appeared to intentionally hip check Marsh on his way off of the field. Uh, what did we make of the officiating last night? It was terrible. It was <laughs> the story, and it never should be. Like, 
I think the taunting call was the worst of the bunch, but for me to only think that it was the worst of the bunch is kind of sort of me saying something, right? Like to look at something where a guy walks to a sideline, I don't even know if he said anything, but there's a hop step. I don't know if that's an aggressive hop step in your mind, Jesse. No. But to have the official watch it, then wait for him to cross behind him, appear to intentionally bump in. I don't know. I think hip check is a little strong a word. But what's he bumping into him at all? But bump into him. Why? And then throw the flag with the kind of sort of flair that comes with a splash brother hitting a three at the end of a quarter from near midcourt. Like Tony Corrente throws this flag with some oomph after hip checking, bumping into whatever the hell you want to call it. And what it bugs me, do you know what it is? Do you know what that is? What is it? Like, do you, have you ever seen? No, I'm asking you legitimately. Have you ever seen anything like that before? No, I've, no. Nev- I've never seen an official intentionally bump a player like that in, in any league. And everyone's convinced that he intentionally bumped. Now, he provided a bit of an explanation to a pool reporter after the game. But here's what troubles me the most, is that we're starting first things first with a referendum. Nice. And we're also starting first things first with legitimate dudes calling the NFL out for fixing a Monday night football game. Like, I don't even, this is like, it might be layers of the onion Mm -hmm. in 2021, but can we pull up the Bulls, the Bill, (laughs) it was almost fittingly Freudian slip there, the Bill Simmons, not the Bull, He says, fast forward five years, let's go to Adam Schefter, who has more details about the Bears-Steelers game that was fixed by gamblers in 2021. And then, Shannon Sharp, also a rather large platform in the United States of America. NFL needs to suspend that ref. He intentionally stuck his butt out so Bears player could run into him, and then he threw a flag. Both of them accusing this ref Tony Corrente, who's been around for a long time, of something near unspeakable in NFL circles. Mm -hmm. And yet, are they doing it just because they know that that'll go viral? Are they doing it because they're right? Is it a combination of the two? And either way, the NFL has to do something here. And yet, we sit here closing in on 24 hours later and we've heard nothing. It will be extremely suspect if Tony Corrente works another important game this season. And what I mean by that is playoffs. Nobody gets graded harder than NFL referees. They have meetings all week. They get actual grades based on their performance, and they get assigned the assignments based on their previous performance. And if Tony Corrente is in another spot where he can decide a game like that, then you know something is up. Now, I'm not saying it was fixed. I don't actually agree with the fact that what Simmons and Shannon Sharp are suggesting that it was fixed. I don't believe that at all. But I think what you said makes a lot of sense. Officials should never be noticed. That's when the officiating is good. And too often we see it, whether it be in baseball, whether it be in football like last night, we're noticing the referees too much and it's deciding the game. Like this call was blatantly wrong. You can't have a block like that outside the tackle box or tight end box. And it wasn't. It was just a wrong call. And it was incorrect call after incorrect call after incorrect call last night. And when it comes to the taunting, Tim, Would we rather have a game decided by that taunt or a game decided by a taunting flag 
No, we want the player, we want the players every time to decide the game. We don't want ridiculousness like this deciding the game, and that decided the game last night, and it overshadowed what was a really good game yeah. between two pretty good teams. I don't know how good they are, but they're okay. And Justin Fields had a good game. Like, there was a bunch of storylines that could have been the story. Ben Roethlisberger once again crafting a comeback when the Bears had come back from a near-impossible spot. I think it was 24-10 down at one point. Like, just, they were down double digits in the fourth quarter yeah. to a Steelers team that had basically gone, like, 4,000 games without giving <laughs> They've never played 4,000 games. I'm exaggerating. But there were a lot of games without giving up a lead like that. And Justin Fields had his team in position to win that game despite all of it. And the Bears were actually terrible, too. Like, let's be honest. Like, the Bears lined up offside. Like, yo, oh, the, the last drive was... Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely ridiculous. Can't do that if you're an NFL team. They lined, not, not only did they, like, okay, Quinn lined up offside like 18 times <laughs> in this game, and I don't know what the hell he was doing, but this was one that gave them an offside and a first down. And then the next play, they line up offside again. Yeah. And this one is a completion, so the Steelers declined the penalty, but literally two plays in a row with the game on the line, they lined up offside. Like, what the hell are the Bears doing? At least the officials got those ones right. But when we get into Hingle McCringleberry territory, mm. we've lost our minds. And that's where we were last night. Like, I don't know if those remember Key and Peel yeah. and Hingle McCringleberry and his excessive <laughs> celebration flags, but we got there last night. Now, if he pumps a third time, he will draw his third penalty for today. Everybody here, waiting with bated breath. He did oh, it! Oh, did he? Yes, he did oh, it. That's he just, couldn't that's help just himself. amazing. I mean, come on, in professional football, it's, it's really... It's a shame. Yes. That's what it is. Yes, you it can is. argue all you want, but right. the flag, well, it's been thrown. <laughs> so we got into Hingle McCringleberry territory last night. So bad. And it's absolutely awful. So it... Uh, Spurred on a match game. Here we go. Listen, kids, when we get something like this, we can't just let it be. Hit the music. We have officiating. We have to give them a match game. Yes. Was worse or more ridiculous than blank. The NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than blank. And we begin with Brian Leach, regular. More ridiculous than Tim McAuliffe and Jesse Rubinoff going on a horsebacking getaway together. Hashtag Tim and Friends. Hashtag match game. Jesse, do you horseback ride, I believe is the question. You asked yesterday. You uh, you can't leave with that. Like, how do you match a Brian Leach Photoshop of you and I? We had to get it. We had to get it the Yellowstone the Ranch. In case they didn't see it on Twitter, we had to get it oh, out there. Oh dear God, Jesse. Maybe Tim. What will happen now is it'll spur on more engagement, more Photoshops. Bring the heat, people. That's what we want from our viewers. So we set the tone. Okay. We set the bar high. All right. We want it to keep coming the rest of the show. Um, Ampersand says, more ridiculous than Ronaldo's haircut. <laughs> That's pretty good. I'm going to give him. Yeah. It's like a mustache on his head.
like an eyebrow. Uh, David Allen Hamilton says the NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than Angel Hernandez's strike zone. Oh, wow. This is like unprecedented. Sticking with officiating. Yeah, yeah. I like these. Uh, the NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than a Pete Weber celebration, says Ray. Who do you think you are? I am. I was going to say there's very few people that have the voice that can actually sort of replicate Pete Weber. You're one of them. Like, I can't, I can't do it like that. I think he has more your voice than he does my voice when he actually delivered that. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite top five sports clips, oh, maybe ever. Without a doubt. Uh, keep him coming. I know we set the bar high there, but that's fine. At Tim and Friends. That's fun, right? I believe in you. Yeah. More ridiculous than blank is the match game today. We'll have a few more a little later on. Maybe even the roundtable get involved. Love it. On it. They should. Uh, right. But we have some more ridiculousness to get to from the sports world last okay. night. A quiet night in the NBA with just three games on the schedule. But, uh, yeah, last night was pretty insane. Had just about everything you could possibly dream of. The early season MVP Steph Curry dropped 50 against Trey Young and the Hawks. There was a great game between the Grizzlies and Timberwolves. Grizzlies and Timberwolves. And the Joker lost it on Markeith Morris. Oh my, Jokic just clobbered Markeith Morris. Things are turning ugly here. Keep the players on the bench. Oh, there is bad blood brewing between these two teams. Morant against Towns. Ja, three for the lead. Bingo! Right between the eyes. Towns lets it fly from deep. Oh! Oh, my goodness! Cats land on their feet. I can't believe this game, man. Rajon all the way. Davey! Throw it down! Showtime, Lakers! Time all game! Miles Bridges! Huge shot! How about these Hornets? Uh, that would be a standard night. In the association <laughs> these days. Yeah? That was pretty crazy last night. <laughs> pretty crazy. Uh, but we got to begin with Jokic and the Morse Do we? twins. Uh, the beef spilled onto social media after the game. Of course, we know Markeith is a twin brother. Marcus, who plays for the Clippers. And after the game, he tweeted, waited till bro turned his back. Shake my head. Noted. Oof. There's a Noted. pen emoji, too. Noted at there the end. There is a pen emoji at the yeah. end. Okay, so here's the deal, though. Jokic also has two brothers. Yes. Famous or infamous, uh, two in fact, Strahinja and Manya, and they opened a joint Twitter account to reply to Marcus's tweet, writing, "Quote: You should leave this the way it is instead of publicly threatening our brother!" Exclamation point. Your brother made a dirty play first. If you want to make a step further, we sure we will step further. Be sure we will be waiting for you. And they signed off with the Jokic brothers, <laughs> just in case. The name of their Twitter account, Jokic Brothers, and the handle of their Twitter account, Jokic Brothers, wasn't enough. They had to sign off with Jokic Brothers. I grew up with enough Serbians to know that you mispronounce the names, but I can't correct you. Strahinja? <laughs> yeah, I think Strahinja. it's... Strahinja. Yeah, I, I, yeah, it was Nemanja. a hard J the first time. I didn't mean to do that. Strahinja yeah. and Nemanja? Nemanja, yeah. yeah. Okay, there we go. So, um, <laughs> who are you rolling with? The uh, Morris no, Brothers or the nobody. Jokic Brothers? Nobody. I'm out. You're out? I'm out. Because, like... <laughs> they're both kind of scary and they both kind of have some history and the boat like listen I don't want to be near any of this but can I just say something yeah hit me what the hell would this have been if this was in the 80s like the NBA used to be known as no babies allowed like Rex Chapman made a living on it on Twitter like this was the NBA back in the day and no one would get tossed from these games 
Like, this is the way it looked all the time. And these guys are bumping each other, and then we're threatening each other on Twitter. Yeah, but that's what makes it worse. Like that, this is Oakley and McDaniel. This is Xavier McDaniel and Charles Oakley. They did this every game they faced each other. I'd right? be all for. Wouldn't you be all, like? You'd be fine with that now, no? Like that's better than threatening each other on social media, because now it could get out of hand. No, but what I'm saying is. How does a couple of bumps <laughs> turn into threatening each other? Like, what would they have done if they played in the I 80s? Gotcha, I gotcha. They would have brought guns to games. Like, <laughs> gotcha. what are we talking about here? Last night, let's see what happened last night once again. Mm. It was, at worst, a, a hard foul from Morris and then a bump, right? Like, ooh, my I mean, it God. Wasn't, it, it, was, it was dirty, and Jokic acknowledged it after the fact that he felt bad and he thought it was a dirty play. So he was doing his best to de-escalate the situation. But it didn't de-escalate at all. In fact, obviously today, it has escalated. And did you happen to catch uh, Jimmy Butler's reaction? So Jimmy Butler is in the middle oh, of you're, that. You're, too. you're missing my point here. Like this is nothing. No, no, I, I, I understand that. And you think that well, you're talking about needing to de-escalate and nah, 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 blah. Like, give me a break, Jimmy Butler. Give me a break. <laughs> You were right. Listen, I'm I, I'm not tougher than Jimmy Butler. I'm not acting like I'm tougher I than Jimmy that. Butler. But don't give me the meet me in the back when you were standing right there. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I agree with you. I agree. The whole, this whole thing is an overreaction. I completely get. That's I know, what you're but you saying. were giving me like the de-escalate and the nice well, guy he's role. De-escalating and... because his brothers are like nuts. That's why he's de-escalating it. They're tweeting. They're starting Twitter accounts. He, he didn't even know they had tweeted when he was de-escalating. He was just de-escalating because okay. that's the modern day NBA, oh. where if you body check a guy from behind, that's considered a step way too beyond. Okay, he was de-escalating a part again because the Miami Heat literally showed up outside the Denver Nuggets locker room last night. Ooh. But they didn't get past the. Uh, I believe that's a. VP of basketball operations for the Miami Heat, so maybe this whole thing was orchestrated. Just to look, just holding them just back, to look tough. You know, like five guys being held back by the one dude, the director of. Um, is that even a security? Or no, is no that? it's the it's the basketball of, uh, VP of basketball operations for the the Miami Heat. I believe. He's a big dude. Um, but I do want to get to one one last thing. Yeah. Um, another reason why Nikola was perhaps trying to de-escalate. We have to remember. We cannot forget this. The Jokic brothers, the older brothers, last year in the playoffs. Oh, I don't forget clip, anything. Clip went viral. we got to show the viewers once again. This was after Jokic and Devin Booker came face-to-face. -face. And, yeah, I mean, that's why you de-escalate, isn't it? <laughs> isn't it? Like, the odds, you put the Jokic's and the Morris's in the octagon, give me the Jokic's we, all we, day long. We, all day long. We may, listen, the Morris's are real, too. Like, we may need the UFC to in some way, shape, or form regulate this because yeah. we don't want this going anywhere else but some sort Oh, dear God. Yeah. Here we go. Get it on the Jake Paul undercard. <laughs> like, remember, those dudes are all seven foot. And one of the Jokic's is actually an MMA fighter. <laughs> that, yeah, that's scary. That's scary. But there's three of the Jokic's. Maybe James Johnson will be team up with the, <laughs> we the James Johnson into seven that. 7-0 oh, MMA yeah. record. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Cock that joint back and bang, bang on him. Look out. All right, uh, we've got plenty of hockey still to come. Roundtable featuring Nick Kiprios, Eric Angles, and Haley Salvian, ahead uh, of six Canadian teams on the ice tonight. We'll keep the match game going on NFL officiating. And up next, the Major League Baseball GM meetings are underway in California. A lot of eyes are on the Jays, Marcus Simeon, Robbie Ray. 
Maybe add a little Carlos Correa and you've got yourself some intrigue. We'll set it up with Shai Davidi live from the GM meetings next right here on Tim and Friends. All right, so he fouled him. And then Jokic, cheap shots. That might cost Jokic a game and some money. It's a stupid play, you know. Uh, I feel bad. You know, I, I, I'm not supposed to react that way. Carmelo trying to fire off Oubre. Shots off in time. Oh, it is good! Malik Monk! Vlad Guerrero Jr. Buckle up, folks. Marcus Simeon, everybody. The guy who is going to garner his fair share of MVP votes. What do your Robbie Reyes have? The guy who just might now be the Cy Young frontrunner. At the conclusion of the play, taunting defense number 59. Unbelievable. On my way to the sideline, I got hit checked by the ref. I just think that that was incredibly inappropriate. Um, and that's all I'll say about that. Vlad Guerrero Jr. Buckle up, folks. He crushes it. Bring it in drive deep to center field. Another home run for Guerrero. The confident Vladimir Guerrero Jr. That makes it dangerous Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And a terrific player all season long. Vladdy is the MVP for me. We had the best offense in the major league. Simeon goes out to the first pitch. God, game winner for Marcus Simeon. The guy who is going to garner his fair share of MVP votes. He's top three for me. Can you do a little spin around on that jacket for us? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Marcus Simeon, everybody. What are your Robbie Reyes have? The guy who just might now be the Cy Young front runner. I don't know how many people south of the border are aware of the kind of season that Robbie Ray is having. Ray ready in the three two pitch. He got him on strikes. Strikeout number 10. 13th strikeout of the afternoon. Swing and a miss. He got him. 14 strikeouts for Robbie Ray. What a game. What a season. Three unbelievable seasons and now Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Marcus Simeon, and Robbie Ray are all major award finalists. Vlad and Simeon MVP, Robbie Ray, Cy Young favorite. We'll find out the winners next week, but this week, also a very intriguing one in the world of baseball. As the GM meetings underway in Carlsbad, California. The rumors starting to swirl with these GM meetings, including around Ray and Simeon, who are both going to get paid this offseason. That much we do know. Yesterday, friend of the show, J.P. Morosi tweeted, sources, Simeon is one of the many free agents under consideration by the Mariners early in the offseason. Simeon, 31, is believed to prefer West Coast clubs and has experience in the AL West. The Mariners have already shown sincere interest. Then this morning, Morosi tweeted, sources, the Angels are working to add at least one and possibly two impact starting pitchers this offseason. They're already showing interest in free agent left-handers Robbie Ray and Eduardo Rodriguez. Not surprising that the Angels are going after Ray. Also not surprising that the A's are willing to sell. John Heyman tweeting this afternoon, A's willing to listen to trade inquiries on their veterans, including pitching stars Chris Bassett, Frankie Montas, and Sean Manaya. Manaya. Um, it should be huge interest. Yes. Also should note the Jays have been linked with Bassett Manaya in the past. We'll see where all of that goes. Um, let's bring in Shai Davidi, who I understand from his Twitter account, getting out of Toronto was a pain in the donkey. <laughs> but I have to ask Shai, as I see this lovely backdrop behind you, 
does the Omni La Costa Resort and Spa in Carlsbad, California, make up for the pain in the donkey that it took to get out of Toronto? You know, I didn't mean for that to sound as if I was complaining. <laughs> that was more a public service uh, announcement for anybody <laughs> heading to Pearson and flying to the United States to be prepared for a gong show. Uh, but, you know, it's, a, it's not just a resort and spa. You can see behind me, it's also quite a lovely golf course. And, you know, I know that uh, everybody, nobody really wanted to travel and leave Toronto, but I was willing to do it because, you know, I'm such a team player. <laughs> yeah, such a, such a team. Can you actually play the golf course behind you? Uh, I'm sure in theory I could. Right, I'm not sure not. that it would be within my budget uh, considering <laughs> what this place looks like. Right. Uh, nor would it be within my golf game, which is, uh, you know, the last time I played, uh, it was uh, a par three in the summer. And it, it wasn't good. I, know I, I think if I, couldn't, uh, if I couldn't really perform on a par three, this, uh, this thing would eat me up pretty good yeah, and I'd you, uh, get in people's way. If you can't get around Dentonia Park, maybe you should uh, step back from this one. Yes, I understand. So, listen. The GM meetings uh, have me salivating because we get these tweets that come each and every year where this guy's interested in this and this team's interested in this guy. Um, like, how do we offset that with the looming doom that could come with the CBA? Like, which is more intriguing to you, all this rumor talk or is this all for naught because people are going to be scared of whatever's happening on December 1st? You know, you have to look at them as being interconnected, right? Yeah. So all this is the buildup, right? Like we tend to kind of look at things and say, oh, this is really meaningful. But right now this is largely information gathering, right? The teams and the agents uh, are trying to figure out what they can accomplish over the course of the offseason, who wants to get where, what the prices are, and then, you know, plans get formulated out of what comes out of the GM meetings. So this year, intriguingly, there's going to be, we all expect, an interruption on December the 2nd when there's a lockout. And essentially, that'll just push pause on the offseason for, you know, a month, two months, uh, however long it takes for it to, uh, for the CBA to get settled. And at that point, everyone's just going to take all the work that they've done uh, from the beginning of free agency to December 2nd and then just put it into action. And what could probably poten or potentially be, you know, this mass two, three week uh, frenzy of uh, a free agent spending. So, you know, I think that everything that's happening now is important but you know the we have to understand the, the nothing is likely to happen or not very much is likely to happen uh, until the CBA gets settled you said when there is a lockout you didn't say if there is a lockout I mean that that's sort of the expectation yeah. uh, on everybody's part I mean there's always the chance right uh, you know in theory we should be saying if and uh, you know, I, obviously we all hope that that's the case, but, you know, it's worth remembering that this isn't, you know, sort of a real lockout. This is sort of a procedural lockout, right? The right. CBA is going to be expiring, and, you know, this is a way for the owners to try and, you know, maybe get a little bit of an upper hand uh, at this point in terms of what the CBA looks like. But it's not going to be costing anybody anything. And, you know, the, you know, in theory, it could push deep into February, maybe even into to March a little bit, and maybe push back the regular season a little bit. But there's a lot of runway for this to get figured out. And, you know, the impression that I'm under is that nobody wants to miss, you know, spring training games, let alone, excuse me, let alone regular season games. But, 
uh, you know, in the interim, you know, you put in the lockout as a matter of procedure uh, to ensure, say, hey, we're not starting up uh, until we've got a deal. All right, I know people hate this conversation, so I'll just move on. Uh, Jay sent qualifying offers to Simeon and Ray. What's next for Toronto? Well, Simeon's already turned his down, and no surprise, Robbie Ray's going to do the same. Uh, but really, right now, I think what the Blue Jays are trying to figure out, and this is going to be very similar to what they did last season, right? It's like, uh, what is going to be possible for us with what's out there? And what is the best approach for us to take? You know, the Blue Jays are right now in a situation where they're a good team and they're really looking for pieces to put them over the top. And we know what happened last season, finishing one game short of the playoffs. We know that they're you know, potentially losing Ray and, and uh, Simeon and Steven Matz, and they've got to cover for that. Uh, but you know, in, in an ideal world, the Blue Jays would love to balance out their lineup a little bit. But you know, I think they're going to look at what's available, what they think they can accomplish, which players have legitimate interest in them, what are the trade possibilities for them, and then try to come up with what's the best suite of moves that they can put together to push them over the top. So you know, that could be maybe adding another star player uh, and then going a little lower on the on the other ads on the other ads they make. Or it could be sort of spreading the wealth around and getting, you know, a bunch of sort of good but not necessarily great players uh, and then just having, uh, you know, essentially a, a deeper roster. So I, I think that's going to be, the, I mean, what they're doing right now is really sussing out everybody, you know, figuring out, you know, what are the odds that they can bring back one of their own guys, who else in the market has legitimate interest in them as a realistic target, and then trying to figure out, you know, decompress from that saying, okay, what makes the most sense? What is going to make us the best club in 2022? Guys in the business call it radioing, getting radioed. Uh, I don't want to radio you in this moment, Shai Davidi, but there's been some interesting <laughs> names uh, bandied about in relation to the Jays. I saw Kenley Jansen uh, earlier today on MLBRumors.com. Give me a couple of names, and, and listen, this is not that you uh, know that it's locked in stone and it's going to happen, but what are the more interesting names that you've heard the Jays may be interested or there may be some mutual interest in both sides? Look, I think that the Jays are basically, it's going to be a lot like last year. Oh, the Jays are in on this guy. The Jays are in. They're, like, they're going to check in on everybody and, and express some interest in everybody. Because, you know, what happens is, you know, I'll give you this example last year. So last year, the Jays went after DJ LeMayhew very, very hard, right? Mm -hmm. He was going to be their guy at second base. That was what they wanted to do. And he ended up returning to the Yankees. But DJ LeMayhew uh, had this, uh, at that point, shared the same agent as Marcus Simeon before he changed over to Scott Boris this year. And, you know, when the DJ LeMayhew thing went away, you know, the Marcus Simeon became a possibility for the Blue Jays. And so that's one of the reasons why they're going to be linked to everybody. Now, you know, I think the dream world, I think the dream world, the, you know, the Jays would end up with somebody like a, a potentially like a Corey Seager who would help, uh, you know, balance them out in a number of different ways. Uh, you know, Michael Conforto makes a lot of sense for them. But you can sort of run through the gamut of options and, you know, everybody to some degree uh, they do have some interest in. I think it, it's going to, again, like I said, it's going to become uh, who is realistic for them, what makes sense. But one thing I do think is a bit intriguing about the Blue Jays this year is that, you know, for a player who's looking for a, you know, a one-year 
pillow contract. You know, Marcus Simeon really demonstrated why this is a good situation, especially if you're an offensive player, where you can come back yeah. and, you know, reestablish your value. You're in a, in a great market, uh, sorry, a, a great lineup, a great stadium to hit, and you can really put up some big numbers and then go to the market in a big way. Uh, you know, and Robbie Ray obviously showed that, you know, the Blue Jays can help out a pitcher who's trying to find his way and recover too. So, you know, I think they'll have that going their way with, you know, sort of pillow contract guys. Um, but I, I really think right now the Blue Jays are a much more attractive team than they've been in years past too. Because, you know, this is a good club that's looking to take the next step. It's not, you know, what might this be? You know, you already can see what it's got a chance to become. Uh, we know that uh, there's a Ross Atkins news conference coming up, so we'll let you go. But by the end of the day, at least make the driving range. Like, you don't have to play the course, but maybe get out in the driving range. <laughs> Tell them you want to sample a couple of clubs, you know. Just give me your demo driver. I'm thinking about buying a new ping driver and then go out there and smash a couple balls. Uh, dude, you're you're talking to the wrong guy. Like I've got uh, you know a 15 year old set of golf clubs that was like a Canadian no, tire. No, that's what you tell them. Uh, you're not you know, buying anything special. You, so. just, you just tell them that you're doing that. You're not I mean, buying I have, anything. Hey, I just want to demo your ping driver. <laughs> Let me see how it works. Uh, all right, Shai, enjoy the. Uh, you know, the next I think days. maybe I'll go to the pro shop here. Let me go to the pro shop here. I'll pick one up and I'll say, hey, this is on uh, Timmy McAuliffe's tab. I'll expense it through you uh, once I get back. Well, I I probably owe you that with all the appearances that you've made on this show. So uh, (laughs) at least send me a a picture before you buy it. All right, buddy? All right, you got it. All right, there is uh, Shai Davidi apparently putting a new driver on my tab. (laughs) Time for a break. When we come back, we'll get back to the match game. The NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than blank. We've got more of your responses. We'll get to them next right here on Tim and Friends. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. Uh, More breaking news from the NHL, this time from the Anaheim Ducks. We're in Vancouver to face the Canucks, but have... uh, Something stirring inside their organization. General Manager Bob Murray has been placed on administrative leave pending an ongoing investigation related to professional conduct. Uh, They released a statement saying, and I quote, we recently became aware of accusations of improper professional conduct against Bob Murray. After internal review, we enlisted Shepard Mullen to perform an independent investigation. Upon recommendation from their initial findings, we have decided to place Bob on administrative leave pending final results. In the interim, Vice President of Hockey Operations and Assistant General Manager Jeff Solomon will assume the role of interim general manager. We will have no further comment until the investigation is complete. And as Frank Saravelli pointed out on Twitter quickly after, uh, this is a recommendation from their initial findings uh, that was released in the statement. So this is not just um, happening right now. It seems like it's an ongoing investigation and they have decided that this was the next step that they needed to take. Uh, again, uh, you and I had the conversations, Jesse Rubinoff, uh, surrounding the Kyle Beach and the fallout in Chicago that the NHL needed some sort of independent investigator, that all leagues, in fact, needed mm-hmm. some sort of independent investigator so that you could just push these things to that spot and it wasn't the team that was investigating initially. 100%. It seems like the Ducks went in that direction, hiring a, an independent investigation. Yeah, I mean, it came after 
what I'm saying is it came after an initial finding, right? Yeah. So I don't know how long this investigation has been going. I don't know if they saw what happened in Chicago and decided that yeah, they needed to put out. their guy yeah. on administrative leave. Uh, but these are the things that are about to happen. So if there are skeletons in your closet, you better start figuring out who, when, and where, because there will be more like this. No question about Ask it. Ask Robert Sarver in Phoenix. There's breaking news on that. But I would rather walk down the best goal that we have ever seen <laughs> and the match game today. Yeah, so uh, it was because of the Connor McDavid that we decided, you decided yesterday, that we would do best of the week with the best goals. So we asked people to start sending in some of their favorite goals, and we did get a couple of responses. So we're going to keep it to just two today, being seeing as it's Tuesday. We still have a little bit of a ways to go before Friday. So uh, let's begin with Russ, who sent in a goal by Denny Savard. Oh, and this one, I mean... It's pretty good. If we have the roll, we can This is dangles yeah. before dangles were dangles. Right, exactly. And that looks basically two hands on the stick the whole time. Oh, oh right not there. Between the One legs. One hand like between that. the legs. Grant Fuhrer finished. That's a Hall of Famer Kevin Lowe, yeah. uh, whose number just got raised to the Raptors <laughs> yeah. in Edmonton. All the timing, And we do right? him dirty with Denny Savard <laughs> and one of the greatest goals of all time. The turn back in the neutral zone. Yes. The turn back in the neutral that, zone is my favorite part that, of the goal. Yes. It really is. Like and It's just it's sort of like McDavid-esque. Because it started right Whoop. outside the blue line, like McDavid oh. did, and then I mean that's. And I think you have to goal. like when we're splitting hairs of greatness, and we, that's what we're going to do in this is split hairs of greatness. You've got to take into account that that's a Hall of Fame defenseman and a Hall of Fame goaltender mm -hmm. that he beats, no matter how slow it is compared to today's game. No question. Okay. Yeah. And this is the key here: is that we are splitting hairs of greatness. So when we talk about these things, they're all great. And then we'll try and narrow it down. But that's the beauty. That's the fun of all of this. It's pretty much impossible. So let's let's talk about this. Like, how many do you want to do for Friday? Like, you want to go four? Do you want to go five? I think the only. I think we can only get four on a poll. On the Twitter poll, yeah. That's yeah. That's so right. I think we have to narrow down to four, and that will be the hard part. Yeah. Voting for the best goal of all time will be easy. <laughs> Voting will be the hard part. Or narrowing it down to far, four. We, we will have be to the do the heavy part. lifting. And will Connor McDavid's goal against the Rangers make a top four? Yeah. For me, yes. Sebi, I think, said yesterday, yes. Yes? Yes. Uh, but let's get to the next one here. So well, They played Detroit tonight on Sportsnet, so he might do another one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we might not close the voting yeah. yet. Must see TV, always. Yeah. McDavid and Drysaddle. Uh, okay, Ross Richardson uh, wrote in and suggested the Rick Nash goal that you actually referenced yesterday as well from 2008 yeah. while he was a member of the Columbus Blue Jackets against the then Phoenix Coyotes, and you want to talk about stick handling? Like, <laughs> are you kidding with yeah. that? Like, just—it's a yawning cage at the end of this. Can I? Can I nitpick the greatness? Yeah, he almost lost the puck. He almost lost the puck, but do you get credit because you kick it back? Well, it kind of bounced off of his inner knee, and then he finished. Yeah, it's I ridiculous. Again, it's ridiculous. So Ovi's the favorite, though, is he not? The, the on his back. The OV from his back. Also against it. the Coyotes. Yeah, also yeah. against the Coyotes. Shame. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually. Yeah. All right, keep sending them in at Tim and Friends. Keep the match games coming. We're trying to have some fun. We're really Connor McDavid here. had me jaw dropped. I was picking up jocks in the studio. People were ripping me for picking up jocks in the studio, but it spurred on this fun. Let's try and name the greatest NHL goal by the end of the week. Easy task. Send them in at Tim and Friends. Also, a match game going on because of the 
awful officiating between the Steelers and Bears game last night. We crafted a match game. NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than blank. Once again, more ridiculous than blank. It's funny you should bring up the jock strap because it just so happens. Oh boy. That Calvin writes in more ridiculous than Tim pulling out a jock strap. <laughs> I mean, that played yesterday online. That, the no context needed, that tweet played. I do have to say, speaking for the digital side. It was like a quarter of a Sid Sixero tweet. <laughs> no, that's not fair. Okay, let's uh, go. TJ says it was more ridiculous than NHL officiating. Ooh, TJ, mm-hmm. straight bullet at NHL officiating. More ridiculous than <laughs> Sheepdog, millionaire, uh, says the Montreal screw job. It's kind of ridiculous. Documentaries yep. were made about the yep. Montreal screw job. Uh, Hingle McGringleberry, who already has been in the show once today, said the NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than Derrick Henry in college making Mark Ingram look like a child. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's true. Look at Derrick Henry's bicep there. Look at his arm. What is that? It's insanity, is what it his is. Arm, his arm looks like it's the size of Ingram. How did Hingle McCringleberry make the show twice today? Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. You got any more? Yeah, I got a couple more. Uh, Sandra says, uh, more ridiculous than a Zamboni driver winning an NHL game. Oh, look at that. With yeah. a little dangle in there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, keep sending them in at Tim and Friends. We got a couple of. Uh, ideas for your best goal you have ever seen in your life in the NHL and the match game. Time for a break. Lots more hockey talk on the other side. Red Hot Oilers motor into Detroit. Flames haven't lost in regulation since opening night and the Habs struggling a wee bit. We'll discuss it all with the roundtable. Nick Kiprios, Eric Engels, Haley Salvian next right here on Tim and Friends. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs. Back here, hour number two, Sportsnet, Sportsnet 360. Full hour everywhere at Hockey Central. David Amber and the crew, 7 p.m. Eastern. And we got a hockey-themed roundtable coming up in mere moments from now. Why, you ask? Well, six Canadian teams on the ice tonight. Let's get you caught up with what you need to know. We'll start with the Edmonton Oilers, who ride into the Motor City red hot, having won four straight, sporting a record of 9-1 on the season. You can see it across the country at 7.30 Eastern, 5.30 local. Stuart Skinner. We'll start in that his first action of the season for the Oilers, just his second career start in the NHL, while the wing Sam Gagne will play his 900th career game against the team that drafted him and where he played 542 of those games. Meanwhile, the Jets will have Connor Hellebuck back between the pipes as they host the Blues. Hellebuck has been out since October 30th after the burst of his son, then a non-COVID illness. Mark Shifley expected to play after missing practice yesterday, while Kyle Connor also a go. Paul Stastny, though, will not play after he left last game. Jets enter a point behind the Blues, heading into their matchup with the Blues. Flames haven't lost in regulation since the opening game of the season. They'll try and keep the momentum going at home to the Sharks tonight. Depleted a wee bit. See it on Sportsnet 1, 9 Eastern, 7 local. Tonight wraps up a five-game homestand for the Flames, who will start a seven-game roadie Thursday 
in Montreal. Got it good and since you understood. Those Habs host the Kings tonight. LA has won five straight after handling the Leafs last night. Well, the Habs continue to struggle as evidenced by that sitting in the basement of the Eastern Conference with just six points from 13 games. Josh Anderson, Christian Dvorak, both game time decisions while Jonathan Drouin will not play. Jake Allen once again starts in goal for the Habs. The Canucks wrap up a seven game homestand against the Ducks tonight. They have won two of the last three but are just two and four overall in the homestand. Yaroslav Halak will start in goal tonight. He'll give Thatcher Demko a breather and make his third start of the season. See it regionally, Sportsnet Pacific, 7 p.m. local or on Sportsnet now where you can see many of these games tonight. Senators will be shorthanded in Boston without five players, including Connor Brown and now Victor Mete on the COVID list. Goalie Anton Forsberg also out with a non-COVID related illness. Get used to that phrase. But with adversity comes opportunity. Eric Brandstrom makes his first appearance of the season. Igor Sokolov and a second round pick uh, in 2020. He was a second round pick in 2020. Also makes his NHL debut. Both were players. Uh, both players were part of the Mark Stone return. The Raptors have an off night tonight. They're back in action in Boston and Philly starting tomorrow night. Pascal Siakam will play in Boston, but his status for the back-to-back -back game in Philly to be determined. Ken Birch will miss both games with knee swelling. We've got the Raptors and Celtics tomorrow on Sportsnet 1, and we'll head to, talk to, we'll head to Boston to talk about it all on tomorrow's show. All right. Normally, the second segment on a Tuesday, this thing, is, this thing has been shifted, and you can thank a Ross Atkins press conference in the middle of November for that, but we shift, we evolve, and we grow, or at least I hope. So without further ado from your humble narrator, just imagine this is the second segment on a Tuesday, and I'm still fresh, not more beat down than Frankie Edgar's face. I've said I'll get by with a little help from my friends, and we will get by with a little help from our friends. We go nearly coast to coast for that help with the six Canadian teams on the ice tonight. We decided to go hockey heavy, starting in Montreal, because we need to make sure that his feet is okay. After several attempts last week to catch up, I'll just cross my fingers and welcome a multi-platform star of Sportsnet, NHL insider Eric Engels. Eric, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly, Tim. Hey! And we can hear him, too. Uh, we have figured it out. From Montreal to Calgary, our next guest, rising star who covers the Flames and women's hockey for The Athletic, also covered the Sens for a couple of years, and a quick Google search told me ran cross-country at Ryerson. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back, Haley Salvian. Welcome back, Haley. Yeah, thank you. Don't uh, don't read any of my stats out. We're good. You <laughs> okay. can just leave it that I ran. I was a varsity athlete. We can leave it at that. Yeah, uh, which was probably uh, whatever whatever the stats were, markedly better than mine. Uh, the only cross country <laughs> my next guest does is on a plane. One of the most recognizable insiders in the game, co-host of the brand new Wheel Kipper and Born, and uh, I know this, Haley. He had 62 more goals than I did one year in the OHL. It's Nick Kiprios. Welcome back, buddy. And by the way, Haley, I did run the New York Marathon, but lost to a guy bouncing a basketball in a Batman suit. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's impressive. You you ran a marathon, and so did the Batman guy. So that's pretty good. <laughs> when when you realized, Kipper, and I remember covering that with you, which is like, and listen, I couldn't. I don't think I could do a marathon. I, in fact, I know I can't do a marathon. But when you realized that a dude ba- bouncing a basketball yeah. in a Batman suit beat you, did you want to punch him in the face? If I had the strength, I would have booted that ball in Central Park. I just, awesome. I just, I couldn't dig down deep enough to do it. Uh, all right, let's start across the country in Calgary, where the Flames are second in the Pacific behind the Oilers. Uh, Haley, are they the best story in Canada right now? Yeah, I mean, I think they're a pretty good one, especially when you consider maybe just how much doom and gloom there was in this market. I think. There was a lot of external pressure once again for Bradtree Living to change the core in Calgary. Um, you know, they were, you know, didn't get to do as much as maybe fans wanted them to in the offseason. And there was a lot of, you know, there wasn't a lot of expectation on this team. I think a lot of people said, we're ready for another disappointing year. We don't know what this core is going to do differently. You know, it, there was just a lot of bad going on, at least externally. And, and they've come out and they've been really good. Uh, you said off the top, they haven't lost a game in regulation since the season opener. It's been uh, over three weeks now since they've lost in regulation. We see that Matthew could chuckle, which was pretty nice. And th- there's just a lot clicking right now with the Calgary Flames. Their, their blue line, which a lot of people thought was going to take a step back after losing Mark Giordano to Seattle, They've been fine. They've they've been clicking along. Um, they've been playing a Daryl Sutter type system. Um, Jacob Markstrom's been incredible. He has a, a career high four shutouts and five wins, so nine starts. Uh, which I mean, that's not bad not at all. Bad, and, yeah. and their forward group is clicking along too. They've got one of the best lines in hockey right now with Johnny Goudreau, Matthew Kachuk, and Elias Lindholm. And They've got depth that people didn't think they'd have, and we'll see if this can last. It's still very early, but I, I think they're definitely one of the top stories in Canada just because they've been exceeding expectations so much. Angles, seven Canadian teams. What's the biggest surprise for you? Well, first of all, I just want to say that in my predictions, I predicted that the Flames would be uh, a very good team this year. And I predicted that last year and ended up being exceptionally wrong. Uh, I thought they had, I thought they had, you know, the goaltending, David Riddish was still there. They had one of the best duos in the league. I thought they had the defense while Mark Giordano was still there. And Chris uh, and, and Tanev coming in, obviously, was a big boost on the blue line. And I just loved the depth up front. And I thought in an all-Canadian division, they'd be a force to reckon with. And, you know, I'm thinking about Matthew Kachuk going on the 32 podcast, uh, 32 Thoughts podcast earlier and saying, you know, in all my years here, we haven't gotten off to a good start. And this is huge for them. It's huge to build the confidence. And I don't think it's a coincidence with Daryl Sutter behind the bench. You know, he demands a certain commitment level. It's there with all the players. So I got to stick with the flames here because it's a tremendous start. I will say the record is incredibly similar to the one the Canadians started with last year. And they were able to ride that all the way to the end, despite some trouble, as we know, they hit with COVID and their schedule being rearranged and struggling all the way down the stretch, but they showed how good uh, how a good start can carry you to a, a good season and a good enough season to make the playoffs and right now the canadians on the other side of the coin are showing how a bad start can really tank your whole season yeah kipper is is the team that eric covers on the regular the biggest disappointment in canada are the habs the biggest disappointment well how can they not be yeah. you're coming off a stanley cup final and uh you know a lot of people again it's it's either you overestimate or you underestimate and a lot of people underestimated uh, Montreal's resilience to find a way last year uh, during the spring. 
And now we're looking at uh, uh, the Calgary Flames. And just to touch on what Haley was saying, where no one really expected it, uh, there's been opponents that underestimated the Calgary Flames. And I think they've taken full advantage of that uh, in, in the first uh, part of this uh, regular season. But that'll that'll dry up real quick here because uh, teams will now know that uh, there is more depth uh, Coleman in Calgary, uh, Zach Hyman in Edmonton, they've been game changers just in terms of reslotting a few people. And all of a sudden, you know, a guy like Sean Monahan isn't regarded as Calgary's best centerman. And in many ways, that's bad news for Monahan, but it's good news for the Calgary Flames uh, because now they've got options uh, yeah. in the depth department. But yeah, if if you if you over or underestimate uh, certain teams, uh, yeah, that can that can play into it. And so far, Calgary's made taken full advantage of of teams not expecting much from them. Let me follow up with you, Kipper, on the on the Habs just for a split second because I don't know if I've seen a trajectory like Mark Bergevin's over the last little while. So at three one down to the Leafs, he's basically out. If you listen to talk radio in Montreal, they make a little bit of a run, and we're talking about an extension to start the season. And now they've had this run right now, and a bunch of people on talk radio again are asking if Mark Bergevin should be out. I don't know. Like I've I've worked in this business for over twenty years. I don't see think I've seen anything like this in in such a short period of time what's the latest on Bergevin as you see it Kipper uh, that he's on borrowed time in Montreal unless anything changes significantly Wow. and I don't want to take anything away from uh, guys overachieving but that's what's happened in, in Montreal and it was a little fool's gold to begin with that uh, you thought that uh, this was this was a team that was going to be able to sustain success and be one of the favorites again in in the east this is still a team that essentially missed the playoffs the last two years and found ways to get invited to the tournament uh, but this was the 18th overall pick uh, during a regular season albeit a, a shortened one and uh they ran with what we all knew all along that uh, they've got the best goalie in the world if he's anywhere near the top of his game and he was and they ran it hard but you know Shea Weber wasn't sneaking up on anybody. We had talked uh, over 18 months about this guy and, and, and his health issues, or, or maybe it was just me. I'm not sure. But it, it didn't sneak up on, on Montreal. Bergevin knew the, the situation with Shea Weber long before it came public. And right now, it, it, it's apparent that uh, they didn't have a, a plan B uh, to make sure that uh, if, in fact, Shea was no longer available, uh, that they would have uh, players to pick it up. and You're not ever going to replace that guy because he's one of a kind. But the lack of depth certainly has caught up to Montreal and, and Bergevin. And again, if, if, he, if he re-signs uh, in Montreal, that would be the biggest story of the season, not, not, not their slow start. Angles. Well, I mean, I agree with Nick on some points. I disagree with him on others. Uh, I agree with him on the on the idea that Bergevin is on borrowed time, and uh, mostly because he didn't get a deal done before the season started. I think the work that he did last year was exceptional to build the depth up for the team. You look at all the moves he made, whether it was bringing in Jake Allen to, to be the guy behind Carey Price, uh, Josh Anderson, the season that he had, Joel Edmondson, one of the plus-minus leaders uh, in the league and playing the best hockey of his career, Tyler Capoli, 28 goals, 
um, look up and down. He was got the most first place votes for that award. And you know what, Tim, I don't listen to talk radio in Montreal because Sportsnet doesn't have a channel here. Uh, <laughs> but I can tell you that no matter no matter what people were speculating, it never really got anywhere close that Mark Bergeron was going to lose his job last year. The fact that he hadn't signed a contract coming into this season had everything to do with just where they were at in the financials and what Bergevin thought, you know, there should be a certain value ascribed to his job. Granted, it's the same one that 31 other general managers have in the league, but it's particularly unique in this marketplace where he's had to deal with a lot of different things. Uh, and, you know, you take Carey Price out of the equation, you take Shea Weber out of the equation, Joel Edmondson out since the beginning of the season, losing Philip Deneau was huge. The offer sheet for Yasperi Kakanyemi, uh, Corey Perry can't deny what kind of leader he was yeah. for the Canadians and how well he played. Probably the best move that Mark Bergevin made and, and at the last minute and for the league minimum last year. You know, I, I think you got to give Mark his credit for the work that he's done. But I, I know one thing about the Canadians. They're not as bad as they have shown so far this season. I find it impossible to believe, looking up and down their roster, that they're this bad. But they're certainly not good enough and i think everybody knew that it was going to be a bit of a down year for them in their progression and in their plan and uh, i just don't think that it was supposed to be to this level and i don't know that it's salvageable and i certainly don't believe that bergevin's contract situation in montreal is salvageable either at this point wow. because uh, you know i just don't know how jeff molson is going to pick up the phone and say you know what let's let's recommit if anything he'd be pointed towards a direction where he'd be saying okay you know like this is the last year of his contract and it probably is time for a change and a new voice, potentially even just for marketing purposes in terms of where the team is going. Yeah. All right, let's go through Laval uh, by the airport in Mirabelle and a couple hours down the road to, to Ottawa. And Haley, I know you know the market well, and they aren't off. Last year, I felt like those pesky sends, they were on the right trajectory. They're in a good spot. Slow start. Now they get hit by COVID as they go to Boston to face the Bruins. I mean, I don't know what to make of all this, and I wonder if the NHL isn't looking at this and saying, like, maybe we need to cap the amount of numbers that end up on COVID. I know it's about cash, but, like, when do you start postponing games? Like, what's what's the take in, Munch in, excuse me, in Ottawa around this Sens team that's already struggling and now facing even more adversity? Yeah, well, I think just looking at the market, and I, I still, you know, follow the team and, and follow a lot of the fan base on Twitter because, I mean, they're a really fun group, actually. Sense fans are were very fun to, to interact with. And I think there was a ton of excitement about this team coming into the season because it's interesting. They had a really slow start last year, too, and I think there was a lot of people who, who genuinely thought, and mostly fans probably, who thought that, if it was an 82-game season, the Sens were playing so well down the stretch last year that they could have given themselves a chance to get into the playoffs if it was a, a, a bigger, longer season, a normal season, I should say. And so I think there was a lot of optimism heading into this season of, okay, let's just take the next steps. We've got younger players who are more developed. They have more NHL games under their belt. We're going to have other players stepping in. Um, you know, you bring in a couple pieces in the offseason and maybe the Senators, you know, we heard from Pierre Dorian, the rebuild's over. Uh, he said, we're not talking about the rebuild anymore. And, and they're three, seven and one, I think, to start the season. Um, they've got sub 900 goaltending. They're obviously getting hit by COVID, like you said, Tim. And Brady Kachuk misses uh, training camp the first couple games. Obviously, he signs an extension. He gets the C. There's excitement about that. Um, but it, it's just hard to get a read on or an accurate, you know, take on the Ottawa Senators right now because of everything that's gone on. Is Are there struggles due to 
Matt Murray being injured and then sick and then coming back and getting injured again? Is it because you missed Brady? Tim Stutzla is snake bitten right now. He hasn't scored through 11 games. Um, Shane Pinto goes down, COVID. So it's hard to get an accurate read on what the Ottawa Senators are right now. And right now, clearly, they're just struggling because of all of these things that have happened to them. And so, uh, you know, I don't think I'm prepared to say that the rebuild's over because you still have a lot of young players who are still finding their way. I will say that I'm excited personally to see Igor Sokolov make his NHL debut. I did a story on him when I covered the team and I don't know if anyone saw the video of when he got drafted. Um, he'd been passed over in the draft twice. He had this party with his billets and his little billet sister and the whole family just freaked out like it's the sweetest video and, and he's got a really great story um he was living with drake batherson when they played for cape breton together and talking to each other via google translate on their phones because he didn't speak any english and they just passed the phone back and forth to each other and he learned english and drake showed him the ropes and now they're on the ottawa senators together and he's making his debut so yeah. there's a lot going on that's not great in ottawa but there's some nice little pockets of stories there and, and he's one of them for sure without a doubt it was like 90 days fiance uh, they're just handing back the phone <laughs> between each other uh, we won't yeah. put it off we'll call Sokoloff we've got to take a quick break when we come back uh, Connor McDavid has got us talking about not only goal of the year but best goal ever we'll add a few nominees from our roundtablers next in Tim and Fred's The virtual roundtable has been assembled. A little different blocks this time around. Still on a Tuesday. It is Kiprios in Toronto, Salvian in Calgary, Angles in Montreal, and in Edmonton earlier this week, or at least last week, Friday night, Connor McDavid had us talking about not only the goal of the year, but maybe top five all time. What's your best goal? We asked our roundtablers where this ranks in all-time goals, and what's your favorite of all time? Haley, I'll start with you. Like, where is this in your pantheon of greatest NHL goals ever? And do you have any other nominees? What are you thinking? Oh, man. So I misunderstood the assignment. I thought this was goals that were scored, like, this week. So I sent in to producer Jeff, like, no, let's, <laughs> let's show the Matthew Kachuk one against the Rangers. There's some people in different parts of Alberta saying that this is – the best goal scored on the Rangers this weekend. And so oh. I was saying, let's see the Matthew Kachuk Rangers goal, which was pretty nice. nice. Uh, you know, all time though, I, you know, I think it's hard to watch what McDavid did there against the Rangers and, and say that there's anything that we've seen recently that's better. I think this Kachuk one's pretty nice. And I guess if you live in Calgary, this one's probably your favorite of the week. I, I uh, will say that Jesse, Jesse did jump in when we did the McDavid goal and said, that Kachuk goal was pretty good. I don't know about all timers, but it's damn yeah. good. Angles, give me an all-timer. Oh, man. I also misunderstood the assignment, so I guess it's really based off preference because, honestly, every goal that Pavel Datsuk has ever scored is up there with my favorite. Yeah. Um, the one where he where he pulled the Datsuk, Datsukian beak, as you see now on your, on your screen, on Marty Turco for the first time. I, I just love people doing something we have never, never seen, seen before, and yeah. this guy was the master of that. I think of Alex Kovalev in the same light. Uh, Nick could obviously speak to that. And, uh, you know, to me, McDavid's goal is right up there. We're talking about the best goals of all time with the one that Mario Lemieux scored uh, against Minnesota, just undressing everyone on the ice. And, uh, you know, like it's to see people do stuff that you have never seen before. That's what sports is all about. And what McDavid did on that play is something 
going one on four. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could say I've never seen it before, but I feel like he did it against Columbus and he did it against a couple of other teams. So he did it against I, I, I don't. I yeah. don't think it'll be the last one we'll see from him. All right, that, uh, that, yeah. that defenseman was Sean Chambers that Mario undressed with the Minnesota North Stars and uh, a teammate of mine uh, with the Washington Capitals a little later. Uh, but let me ask you, Tim, yeah. I, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll leave this with you in terms of the Matthew Kachuk versus the Connor McDavid. How many guys in the league are capable of, of scoring that type of goal that Matthew Kachuk scored how yep. many skilled guys could pull that off there's a in the few league? there's a few I will say that he was going backwards when he did it right adds a little degree of difficulty I know the Russian judge can be tough I know the Greek judge in this case is being tough but I he would was, say uh, we could pick 50? maybe 15 or 20 guys that could do <laughs> yeah, that Yeah, there's a lot of them there's okay, a lot how of many them. could score like one, Connor McDavid one on four uh it might be limited to Connor McDavid there you go. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe Athanasiu uh, has that kind of speed. Uh, Lark, I don't know. There's like the finish, the deking. Like I don't even know the craziest part for me. And you guys can weigh in with what you thought was the craziest part. But just the thought process when he comes out the blue line, like there's four guys, I'm alone. Yeah, why not? I'll try it. Like, <laughs> that was the part that was the craziest for me. It was his quote after that got me when he's asked about and he's like, I mean, I'm paid to score goals like this, essentially, <laughs> just so nonchalant. Just, yeah, I mean, that's my job to yeah. take on the entire Rangers uh, oh. line and, and score like that. To I love that. OT. The, I love the only that thing I, I thought the only thing missing was that he, he didn't mention that he was underpaid <laughs> to do that. Yes. Yeah. Angles. I, I just just going to say I love that quote also because I was going to offer some boring goals that Joe Sakic has scored over his career, but you know it just seemed as though he never celebrated his goals because he, he just had that attitude about him like this is what I get paid to do. I always thought the best celebration was the no celebration, skate back to center ice, like don't don't look at me like I'm crazy or did something special here. This is what I do. Walter, and I, I love I love Joe Sakic for that. Uh, Walter Payton, hand the ball to the referee. Act like you've been there before. Barry Sanders did the same thing. Kipper, you didn't give us your best of all time. I know you kind of chuckled at the uh, the John Casey Chambers goal by Marilyn Mew. Like, if you had to, if we pinned you down and said, give me your best goal ever, what is it? Yeah. Is, uh, it's from you? 6 5 score at the Montreal Forum. I came through the neutral zone. <laughs> I, I, yeah. toe I toe dragged the blue line, and I took a slap shot from the blue line, and I beat Patrick Waugh clean on the glove side. We won the game 6-5. I couldn't race fast enough to the video machine to see it again. I'm Googling uh, Nick Kiprio's slap yeah. shot, Patrick Waugh. It's funny, I can't yeah. find it either. Yeah. Good luck finding it. <laughs> yeah, there's a Capitals 4-3. I don't know what that one was. Checked heavily into the boards by Nick Kiprios. That's not it. That's not it. I'm, sh I'm sure Patrick remembers. I'm, I'm shocked that uh, it was only later that he asked to get uh, traded after that. That, 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 was, that was the goal that I thought would chase him out of Montreal. Uh, all right, let's go from uh, from Patrick Watt to Carey Price. And uh, when we came to air today, just moments before air, uh, we saw a statement that was posted to Carey Price's Instagram. And uh, he talked about 
his time in uh, in the NHL's program of support. Eric Angles, uh, why don't I get you to weigh in this because you know him pretty well. Uh, what did you make of the statement that was released, uh, you know, a little over an hour and a half ago? Well, I'm sitting here at the, in the bowels of the Bell Center thinking about what I'm going to write about. And I'll, I'll say this, uh, two, two big takeaways. The first one being this is 169 words. And I can't imagine how difficult it was for Kerry to type them and hit send. Um, you know, we're talking about an extremely private individual, an extremely guarded, introverted individual, and he has put his story out there for the world. And the second big takeaway, and I think I will spend some time on this in my column, is don't be those people out there making assumptions. Don't try to guess in terms of what the substances were. Don't try to guess in terms of what led him there. Don't think about the 15 turbulent years he spent in Montreal. No one has any idea why Carey Price ended up in this situation or in a very dark place, as he put it. And I think you owe him the respect uh, of his privacy to not make those assumptions. At a certain point in time, if he feels the need to address it further, he will. Uh, as a member of the media and someone who is paid to look into things, I'm not going to be digging around on this. I'm going to let Carey Price tell his story in his words, the way he wants to tell it, if he wants to tell it. And if he doesn't, I'm going to respect his privacy, and I'm urging people out there to do the same. It's funny because uh, I saw the same, uh, a similar story, Calvin Ridley in the NFL, and there was a different reaction to it. Haley, are we coming a longer, uh, like, it feels like we're taking these baby steps along the way to actually looking at a statement like that from Carey Price and saying, yes, we can respect his privacy, and yes, we will be able to do what he's asking of us. Yeah, I think so. And I think just speaking to my experience, I thought we saw that with Bobby Ryan in Ottawa. I guess a, I guess it was almost technically two years ago now, but only a season and a half ago um, when Bobby went into the player assistance program. Uh, nobody in the local market was digging into what's wrong with Bobby Ryan and what's going on here. Everybody respected the fact that he was taking the time to do something for himself and for his family and for his personal life. And no, that's not an investigation. That's a person's life. That's a human being. Yes, Bobby Ryan is paid to play hockey. And yes, Carey Price is paid to play hockey. That's their job. But these are also people too, right? And I think that we are seeing um, from the media, from fans, people are respecting that. There's always going to be people who don't. Mm -hmm. um, but I think from the media standpoint, us not digging into that is a really good place to, to start. Like, you know, hearing Eric say, I'm giving Carey Price his space. I think people can see that and say, okay, like this isn't an investigative report. This is this is just a man going through something in his life. And I think fans can kind of follow suit. I think the media do have a platform to show that. If, if mainstream media members are tweeting speculative stuff about players and, and what they're going through, I think fans are going to follow suit. And I think that's you know, I think it's a good thing to hear people like Eric and, and all of us here to say, like, respect their privacy. Um, this isn't something we're going to dig into, and it's probably not something you should either. Sounds great, but guys, this is Montreal. We know what it's like there. Yeah. And there, uh, it's, you, you're, whatever you, the things that you're saying are 100% right, but we know Montreal, and we know the pressures that they continue to put on, on their players. They're going to want him back in the lineup as soon as possible. Let's hope Kerry can be strong enough to just take whatever he needs. But they're going to want him back, and they're going to want him to try to salvage whatever they can into this season. And uh, it's going to take an awfully strong Kerry Price to uh, 
to take whatever he needs in that market. Is that why you were saying that, Eric? Is that why the, the impassion came around, like, just leaving it alone because people no. will do that in that market? No, I just think it's so easy to make assumptions. You know, yeah. like, I think we've all witnessed Carey Price's life play out in a very public way um, in terms of the position that he's put in as the, the goaltender of the Montreal Canadiens, but not only as their starting goaltender, but as this guy who was drafted to be a savior for the franchise and is their all-time winningest goaltender. Um, I think there's been a lot much more public uh, facing for Carey Price than he ever thought he was signing up for, you know, was drafted into. And, you know, I think Nick's right. Like, it is Montreal and it is a place. And, and that's why I felt it's important to say stuff like that because there are people out there, like Haley said, that are just going to, they're not going to be able to restrain themselves. I, I know the media members here. I'm close with them. Um, I think they'll take the same approach that I will with this. I think Harry in time will address this as he needs. And as far as the on-ice pressure to get back, of course the Canadians want him back with their group and they want him back in the net as soon as possible. But I also think that, you know, I asked Dominic Ducharme, do you have assurances from Harry? I asked him yesterday, do you have assurances that he wants to be here and that he wants to play right away? And he said that he does, you know, like that he was waiting to be for him, but that he wants to get back to playing hockey. And that's another part of not making assumptions about this situation. You know, like, and I, I talked about this with Jeff Merrick earlier in the day, you know, maybe it'll be cathartic for Carey Price to get back to playing hockey as soon as he yeah. possibly can. Maybe that's what he wants to do. It sounds from his statement that he wants to take his time. He'll be afforded that time by the organization. I have no doubt, but yeah, the pressure is going to be there no matter what. It's never going to change in terms of that position. I just hope people can approach it the same way I can. I know there's going to be outliers, but you know, you, I think it's important to say those things. We're running out of time here, and I don't want to rush this answer, Nick, but you having played in the league and being part of the PA, do you feel like players um, are, are in a better spot to use that player assistance uh, program? It feels like across all sports now, players are becoming more and more courageous in these moments to say, I need some help. Well, it helps when others have gone through it and you feel like that path has already been set. And there's no question that uh, when it comes to uh, individual teams, uh, the, the space that they get today is huge compared to my generation or those before that. It was like, suck it up and play. Yeah. That's your job. You're paid to do that. And uh, you wouldn't even have known that. Uh, behind the scenes in my era but it is better today and whether or not we are talking about uh, mental health or concussions there is space for these guys to get better uh, at their pace not the teams anymore and we can thank a few guys that have gone through it and and actually fought that battle yeah um, for, for the players today Without a doubt. Uh, all right, we have run out of time, but I appreciate all three of you. Angles in Montreal, Salvian in Calgary, Kipper in Toronto. Thanks for doing this. Uh, you are dismissed from the roundtable. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, there is Kipper, Salvian, and Angles. All right, time for a break. Uh, more match games, Jesse? I got, I got. It feel, I was going to ask them the match game as well, but we were too busy arguing about the greatest goal of all time. So we'll do some match games from you. Friends of the show, next. Welcome back to Tim and Friends. The goal by Connor McDavid on Friday night uh, had me pulling out jocks in the studio and talking about the greatest goals of all time. Uh, Jesse Rubinoff, we've been taking tweets. 
the entire day. We started tweets yesterday, and we decided that Friday we would attempt to name the greatest goal of all time by giving you four options. Uh, we've mentioned Alexander Ovechkin a bunch of times. Jacob wrote in and said, Ovechkin on his back against the Coyotes, simply spectacular. Jonathan follows up and says, this guy was a rookie. He did this within the first 40 goals of his career. Had it not been for lockouts and seasons being cut short and injuries, he would have the goal record. Only appropriate best goal belongs to the soon-to-be record holder. Hard to argue with a lot of those, although I will say staying healthy for your entire career is part of the equation when it comes to those records. Do you think he's going to break the record? Yes. So do I. Yes. He's, he's, he's leading so the NHL in goals right he now. He doesn't slow down. Like, that's the thing. He's he 36 years old, yeah. and he's got 11 goals, and he's not like... None of it seems like this is like Father Time is supposed to put a little dent in each year. Right. It's not with him, at least as of yet. Like he's not quite Brady level, but like we saw what age has done to Adrian Peterson. On, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? On Sunday night. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's going to break the record. But I have a sneaking suspicion here that uh, we're kind of narrowing down the choices a little bit. And we're getting like an influx of, of messages now, but. I feel like the, the Mario one's got a pretty good shot of getting that Final Four. I think the Ovi which, one's got a pretty Mario good shot. Which Mario one? Like, the listen, North Stars one. I the North Stars the one's really one. good. But you're taking away the one where he puts it in Ray Bork skates? Okay, we're going to have to. Well, maybe it's between the two of those for Mario. Okay. I well, can see Mario Lemieux being in the Final Four. We'll, we'll do this all saying. week, basically. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you want to go to a yeah, match why game? Why don't we do a Mario Lemieux top four? Yeah, Mario Lemieux top four. <laughs> That's <laughs> next could, Friday. Yeah, we could do that. Uh, all right, let's do some match games. Um, I still can't get over what happened in the NFL game last night. I just cannot believe that a ref would bump into a player and then throw a flag. I know the flag was going to be thrown regardless because it was about the taunting, etc., etc. But I, I, I can't wrap my head around the fact that he bumped him. Like it's, it's driving me nuts. So what, uh, before we get to the match game, what do you think should happen to Tony Caranta? He should not work another game this season. You think they should suspend him? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not implying, again, I'm not implying that it was fixed. Maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I have no idea. <laughs> but. Maybe it was. You can't Hold on. bump into Hold a on. player. Hold on. Okay. I have no evidence to support the, the fixing tweets. But do you, do you think that it's fixed? I don't think it's fixed. I, I think... I think you can be like influenced. Bill Simmons talking about no, no, no. fixing is like a whole, and there is it's not fixed. There is a lot of NFL people who bet on these games who actually think it's fixed. So what I need to say at this point is, there is Tim Donaghy happened. It can happen. Football is so hard to fix because you'd have to shut so many people yeah. up. And that's the part of the equation that the fixes in people never think about. Like, you would have to pay everybody a lot of money because it wasn't just Tony Corrente throwing flags, although that was one. Have you, uh, have you ever umpired or refereed any yes. of kids' games and stuff? So, yeah. my question for you is, these guys Sorry. obviously, and, and girls, women, obviously have to be very objective over the course of the game. Yeah. And it feels to me like it is possible, especially in, a, in an NFL game where tensions really run high, that the objectivity would sometimes move away from the middle a little bit. Maybe that's what happened, and it doesn't mean that it's fixed, but it means that you can be influenced one way or another over the course of the game. You don't know what was said to Tony Corrente over yeah. the course of the game. 
you don't. Or you're just mad as a human being at right. other human beings. It's natural yeah. emotion. That happens so, without so, a doubt. So yeah. So did you without have you experienced stuff like that when you've been umpired? Without and stuff? a doubt. And I was like, I was the referee whisperer. Like my minor oh. Adam coach told me that I was going to retire and become an official for Adam because I talked to the officials so much during games and I felt like I could influence them by being nice and yeah. pointing things out. And sometimes it didn't work. So yeah, I'd like. So, so you think that's definitely a, a possibility to what? Yeah, without a doubt. Like tensions. They're really human high. beings. Yeah. And if you start barking at them, sometimes it wears on them. Sometimes you will feel the wrath of a human being who's pissed off. And I thought Tony Corrente in that moment, I don't know why, seemed like he was pissed off at the Bears yeah. or at Cassius Marsh specifically. Yeah, I, c I completely agree. Do um, you want to do a couple match games before we... Uh... Yeah, let's see. All right. So uh, the match game was the NFL officiating last night. I just night can't let the fix go without actually talking about no, it. I just hear the music playing in my ear, and I'm like, well, we should probably get through a couple match games if we continue to we talk. we got some time moment. here. Uh, okay. So the NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than people who claim candy corn to be the best Halloween candy. Yeah, it's, it's, that's fact. It's, what's worse, candy well corn or rockets? You know how you felt candy about rockets corn. when you whipped them yeah. across the room? And, yeah, candy and corn is worse than rockets. This is just a tired take. We hear it every Halloween. Candy corn sucks. We all know it. Yes, I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, Mike says uh, the NFL officiating last night was more ridiculous than Aaron Rodgers' COVID-19 research strategies. <laughs> a little bit of backtracking from our boy uh, Aaron Rodgers today on the Pat McAfee show, um, saying that he understood understood that he misled some people. Uh, who knows if he's going to suit up on Sunday? But can Aaron Rodgers uh, public? Persona recover from this, or is this just a yeah, PR everyone disaster? Forgets. That's no, all he has gone. to do is go back on the field, and everyone forgets that he thinks he's smarter than the smartest people on planet Earth. Yeah. Um, by the way, Odell Beckham Jr. apparently wants to go to Green Bay. That is apparently his preferred destination. He's now a free so agent. He passed through waivers. Passed through waivers. He is a free agent. He can basically go wherever he wants. He can also set his number uh, because no one claimed him at seven and a half million dollars. Uh, Green Bay is an interesting spot for him, without a doubt. Love it. We'll go deeper into last call. I'm getting told that I'm ruining all of the last call topics. All right. Well, let's uh, move <laughs> on. We'll take one last break. And by the way, you do last call. Yeah, I do. I just slipped my mind that I used up all of the oxygen on all of the topics that we had <laughs> prepared for match breaks. <laughs> Johnny Carson, who once said, people listen to about 5% of the words that you say. Yeah. Uh, Truth and Transparency wrote in and said, here is the Tim and Friends theme. No need for sportspersonship in sports. Rage is allowed to go uncontrolled without consequence because refs have not played the sport. Rage justifies everything. May or may not be a fixed game by the refs. Well done, Tim. When the hell did I say anything close to what I just read on Twitter? And this happens like three times a show. Well, we'll get something where I'm like, what the hell? I never said anything close to that, did I? Did you I, get I don't me? I really understand it. We just honest. had the conversation about Tony Carrenti and what happened in that game. Did I say anything close to what was relayed back to what I just said? No. Selective hearing, I guess. But it can't be selective hearing if what your hearing didn't have exist <laughs> didn't exist <laughs> just drew your own conclusion <sighs> and if i did say that i apologize because i didn't come close that's to thinking peak, that that's a peek into your world oh right there. my god 
the world Every of having opinions. Every day. Okay, uh, so I'm an idiot, and I ruined basically two of the topics uh, from last call, but we're going to go back because I want to dig a little bit deeper. I mentioned the Odell Beckham Jr. cleared waivers today and yes. is now a free agent. So according to reports, OBJ wants to sign with a playoff contender. I mentioned the Packers, the Seahawks, Saints, 49ers, and Patriots are among the teams rumored to be interested in OBJ. If you were running an NFL team currently in playoff contention, would you want OBJ on your team? Oh, man, there would be a long interview. And I would make sure that he is not the distraction that he was in Cleveland. And let me be clear, he has unbelievable skill, but the numbers just don't add up. Here are the numbers of his two and a half seasons or so in Cleveland. With him in the lineup, the Browns were 14 and 15, and they averaged just under 23 points per game. Without him, they were eight and four, and they averaged more than three points a game more. He was not only a distraction, he did his team a disservice. You have to make sure that he is, there are, there are a lot of players, especially receivers, who get into diva mode, who just want the ball all the time, and then realize, ah, oh, crap, I'm being an idiot here. If I'm part of the offense, it's actually better for me in the long run. Yeah. He can figure this out, but as of right now, he hasn't, and he's been around the league way too long to not have figured that out. Yeah, I think a lot of people are anchored to the Odell Beckham Jr. that we saw in New York. Right. And the one who made the rookie yeah. over-the-shoulder one-handed catch. Haven't seen that dude for a long like, time. Like five years, basically. Long time. Uh, you mentioned distractions. Speaking of distractions, Aaron Rodgers made his weekly appearance on the Pat McAfee show earlier today. Rodgers said there's only a, quote, small possibility he won't play Sunday against the Seahawks, although he can't be officially cleared until Saturday. Yeah. And off the top of his appearance, he attempted to clarify some of his comments from last week that drew a ton of criticism. Here it is. So I just wanted to start off this show by acknowledging that, you know, I made some comments that, that people might have uh, felt were misleading. And, uh, you know, to anybody who felt misled by those comments, I take full responsibility for those comments. I made a decision that was in the best interest based on consulting with my doctors. And I understand that, that not everybody's going to understand uh, that necessarily. But I respect everybody's opinion. Uh, go ahead. You got a question? Yeah, the doctors that you consulted with. Dr. Joe Rogan and which other doctors? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I, have a lot, I have a lot of admiration for, for Joe. I, I definitely talked with about uh, a dozen friends of mine who dealt with COVID, and they all were very helpful in different ways, Joe being one of them. Uh, <laughs> but... Uh, you sick of talking about this yet? You know I am. I've said this a bunch of times. Why are we giving oxygen to athletes on these topics? Like, I don't get it. There are brilliant scientists and doctors out there, and repeatedly we go back to people that don't have any expertise in the field and ask them what they think and then get mad at them when they give us the answer. He shouldn't be weighed upon in any way. I'm not even saying he's dumb. I'm just saying, why are we asking, why are we giving oxygen to people who have no business giving their opinion? On, it's, it is, that is an epidemic in 2021, is listening to people who have no bleeping clue what the crap they're talking about.
Hopefully that's the last time we have to have an opinion. No, it's run. not, and you know it. And someone, a producer's going to come to me later on and say, hey, can we put this in the show? Everyone's talking about it. I guess we got to put it in the show. Next week. Even though we know Aaron Rodgers is not an expert on respiratory illness in any way, shape, or form. Not even close. Not even close. But we uh, just did... Oh. You good? <laughs> I truthful transparency basketball. is going to write something else about what I just said about Aaron Rodgers. Unfortunately, the first one didn't make sense, but they could try again. Uh, U.S. college basketball season begins tonight. Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski begins the final season of his legendary career tonight against Kentucky in the Champions Classic at Madison Square Garden, Mecca. Timmy, I know you love college hoops. What should we be watching for this season? Um... Oh, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's like a thousand things. That's an interesting thing. I would love to have the conversation with, like, is Mike Krzyzewski, like, the most overrated coach of all time? The most underrated coach mm. of all time with what he's been able to do at Duke. I'll say this. Listen, Shady Sharp's not going to play at Kentucky. He announced that earlier today. But if he wanted to, because he went to Kentucky, I'm pretty sure he can still declare for the NBA draft without having played at Kentucky because he was there for a year. If that's the case, we could have three different Canadians in the lottery for next year's draft. Amazing. Caleb Houston from Michigan, Benedict Matherin from Arizona, and then if Shaden declares for the draft out of Kentucky without having played, we could have three lottery picks from Canada. And for a dude that grew up in this country, loving all sports, including basketball, mind-blowing yeah we are a sporting nation i'll say that period 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 uh, okay breaking news this is good yeah. this is real good Alonzo davies is back in canada breaking sporting news. Nation. okay go ahead yeah uh breaking news vladimir guerrero is the 2021 al hank aaron award winner <laughs> best offensive player in the american league yeah it makes sense right yeah, I mean, it's not MVP. It's just the best offensive player in the American League. And I think if you look at the numbers this year, he was by a significant margin the best offensive player in the American League. So shout out to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. It's not an MVP, but it's pretty damn close. Pretty damn close. And that could be the first of a couple of awards, perhaps, for the Blue Jays. Or yeah, at there's least a Cy Young coming. The Cy Young. I think so. I remember. I better than it. Relatively early, we're gonna make some money on Robbie Ray. What, uh, what'd you get it at? I don't know. It was. It was. Uh, you plus. don't remember? No, I don't remember. Right, that's all right. That's all right. I put you on the spot. We're making I did money. cash out my Shohei Otani. That's all that matters. We're making money. I cashed out my Shohei Otani for MVP. I got yeah. a little nervous there with Vladdy, and they were giving me too much. Smart moves. On the dollar. Make money. Yeah, that's the game. It was like 90% of what I was going to get. Love so. it. Took it and run. Another win for the Tim and Friends crew. That does it for us. Hockey Central coming up on Sportsnet. It's David Amber, Justin Bourne, Sam Cosentino. That's followed by the Oilers' What's Connor McDavid Going to Do Tonight? Across the country, otherwise known Oilers and Wings. 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain, Sharks, Flames, and Sportsnet 1. Ducks and Canucks regionally on Sportsnet Pacific. We are done for the day. Don't forget WWE NXT coming up on Sportsnet 360 at 8 Eastern. Have a great night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.